When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. That was the first thing I did with my money. I had $12,000 to buy a recording studio. You know what I'm saying? Do you and remember I, how much the recording studio was? It cost more than 12000 <laughs> <laughs> But I put the first 12000 up and yeah. just grind the rest of it. You know yeah. what I mean? But then, that, to me, that was a sustainable concept because at least with that, I can always create music. I can always sell beats. I can always sell songs. If, if all fails, at least I got a place that I can rent out that people can utilize. Welcome back to another episode of Deposits with me, Brooke England, brought to you by the Revolt Podcast Network. And oh my gosh, y'all, I'm so excited because my guest today is a legend, an icon, a change maker, 35 million records sold, artist, producer, writer, entrepreneur, the resume speaks for itself. Thank you so much for being here today, no, Akon. <laughs> Round of applause for Akon. Everybody, like, oh my God, this is so, so, so lit. How are you doing today? No, I'm amazing. You amazing? Absolutely. I'm amazing too. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Now, with a resume as extensive as yours, I usually open up each episode with asking people what do they think most people know them from. And I would ask you. Is it safe to say Locked Up is the song that changed your life? Um, I would probably say Locked Up is the song that started my life, really. Started your life. Started it. Wow, that's a, that's a very interesting yeah. perspective because yeah. I was hoping that you would say yeah, but this answer is even <laughs> more interesting. I want to know what was Akon's life before life like before, right, before Locked Up? I mean, when you think about before Locked Up, there was a whole nother life that got me locked up in the first place. And that locked up life, or pre-locked up life, is more the life where you're trying to fit in, find that median of, okay, what am I gonna do in life? I, do, I wanna be successful, but how do I get there? Okay, by any means necessary, I'm gonna get to that goal, but there's no plan, everything's a hustle, you're just trying to get it where you fit in. You know what I'm saying? Like, but then once you get locked up, it, you're sitting down. You have no choice but to get your life right. Think about the past. Think about the future. Like, when you're sitting down, it's like, okay, what do, like, what's next? Yeah. Is it going to be this right here? Yeah. Or am I going to switch my life up to, to the better and create a better environment, less riskier, and something that's actually planned out that you can actually execute? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, believe me, being locked up, that was the turning point of the old me to the new me for sure. I love that. Okay, yeah. so your life started Absolutely. at Locked Up. So do you remember that check? Do you remember when you signed that deal? Yeah, actually, I, when I signed that deal, 
the money wasn't that great, mm. but it was better than what I could make at that time. Mm-hmm. Coming off of, a, I mean, street money, is, it's nothing like street money. Mm. <laughs> it's a difference, believe me, right? But then when you can but actually. But a lot come with that, y'all. No, <laughs> it, ain't worth, it ain't worth what comes with it. Right. It really ain't. Like, you don't, it, it's definitely not worth what it, come, what, what it comes with. But ultimately, when I got the first check, it was like, okay, cool. I'm going to figure out a way to save it or figure out a way to legitimately flip it. Mm. But I got to find a way to sustain it, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because once this goes, if I don't get my project going in time to generate revenue before this wears out, yeah. okay, then I'm back to square one trying to figure out, okay, what's next? Of course. You know so how I mean? many zeros? Do you remember? Oh, only three. Only three? <laughs> three zeros. Oh, yeah. It was, Do it you was, remember what you brought with that first check? Like, was there, you say you were making investments. Do you remember a particular investment? Um, I bought a recording studio. Mm. That was the first thing I did with my money. I had $12,000 to buy a recording studio. You know what I'm saying? Do you and remember I, how much the recording studio was? It cost more than twelve thousand, <laughs> <laughs> but I put the first twelve thousand up and yeah. just grind the rest of it. You know yeah. what I mean? But then, that, to me, that was a sustainable concept because at least with that, I can always create music. I can always sell beats. I can always sell songs. If if all fails, at least I got a place that I can rent out that people can utilize and pay me for the hours. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So you already, you came into it with a business. Mind. Oh, yeah. No, nah, me, I was definitely a business businessman turned artist. Because I came into it saying, okay, man, if I can be famous enough, then I can benefit from a standpoint of just utilizing my fame to maximize on the business. To create more So it was always, yeah, music was always a vehicle to get to the money for me. Wow, that's so amazing. Yeah. So as a businessman, then you, most people know oh. you discovered Lady Gaga. Right. What was that deal like? Did you feel like it was a fair deal bringing her to the label? Did you oh, get it was points? More, that was more than a fair deal because I was structured as a record company. Like, I was the record company. Then Interscope was my distributor, mm-hmm. which also was the partner. Um, they actually had her locked in before I even came on board. So Jimmy Iovine actually threw me a bone by adding me to the deal you know what I'm saying like that was a gift like I thank him every day because that created and also set me up as a music mogul from there yeah it changed the whole game she's an icon 1000% absolutely even if you never made another record or never discovered another person right that's enough I can always leverage that I can always leverage that it'll give me any door oh my god absolutely so you would say that that was a fair deal do you feel like that also helped you make more uh, create more business opportunities 100%. for yourself. 100%. I mean, when you attach to a big name like that, it opened, especially if you're a hustler, you're going to always see the opportunity and you're going to maximize it to the fullest. It's no different from um, when you look at Beyonce and Jay-Z. Yeah. Just think about it. Jay's a hustler. He gets it. I'm not saying that he uses her for any reason, but she definitely helps to coordinate better concepts and ideas and better deals that may come because of the fact that they're actually together. Yes. You know what I mean? So anything that you have a value, if you know how to maximize it per, like the right way, you can take it from zero to 100. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're obviously a great businessman and, and a talented artist, but you have a great ear for music, like we just mentioned, right. Lady Gaga. But I want you to answer this question for me. What does DeVito and WizKid have in common with Akon? 
Um, well, the thing is, they all they they were all both part of the comic music infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Like when you look at extended families, they're they're the beginning in the like they're to me they're the poster childs of what you see today mm -hmm. in Afrobeat. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it was interesting because I was doing uh, an interview with Sway, and mm -hmm. I was kind of giving people the analogies, and it was one part that I actually missed out when it came to Davido, because I mentioned the fact that of course he was obviously backed, you know, by a wealthy family. But the part that I miscalculated, and I know people can probably get it wrong, was his hard work ethic got him where he went. Like mm -hmm. he ain't asked for nothing. He started from the bottom. Like and he comes he from a wealthy family, hard. right? Yeah, but that like think about how many people out here that actually have money that yeah. still can't get to where he went. Right. I know ball players all day that's investing, got record labels, got artists, still True. nothing. <laughs> Crickets, right? It's billionaires all day with kids and daughters and stuff, but it was his creativity, his thought process. And he, I, I, like, if I didn't restructure how that answer was, people would easily think that he was a spoiled kid. Yeah. Right? But I had to make sure that I cleared that up because that kid worked for everything that he, like, he, he, he deserved everything that he got. Because believe it or not, being a part of that actually made it harder because of the fact that he was that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he always found that way to get there and become the best that he could be. And at one point, he was the hottest artist in Africa in general. You can't mention Afrobeats now without even mentioning Davido. Yeah. You so, can. and those two artists, Wizkid and DeVito, were connected to you, and you say poster children of Afrobeats. So, right. is it safe to say that you created Afrobeats? Afro oh, hell no. Okay. I, would, I would never take a credit to say, okay, Akon created Afrobeats. I just saw what was already created and building and tried to find avenues and instruments to make it bigger. I, was, I wanted the world to see what that was. Yeah. I was trying to expose the already existing talent in Africa. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I feel like my role is to wherever my value can play a part at expanding or benefiting to a point where someone else can utilize a rub against me and better their life, then my job is done. Like if I attach myself to you and then you're in a better place than you was before we got attached, then alhamdulillah, I'm happy. Yeah. Yep. So what do you think about when people say because a lot of people say Drake right. introduced WizKid right. and that sound. But I know a lot of my <laughs> friends from Nigeria and stuff like that, they like, hell no. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? But a lot of, I, I would say Americans right. believe that. What do you think about that? I mean, all that, because you got to think everybody plays a role. In every stage of everybody's career, there's going to be something that helps propel you to the next level. Right. And Drake was at a point where his curiosity helped to discover certain artists from a fan standpoint. Yeah. Because in, in actuality, when you think about it, they're not wrong because a lot of people never knew about that until they heard. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. 
it's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Maybe on the Drake record, right? Like me, yeah. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's safe to say that, yeah, he did partly discover to an extent that talent in his music to expose it to other people that never knew what it was, right? So I think everybody plays a role when it comes to that, and there's no one person that can say you give the credit to something. You can give them the credit for being in the beginning, to, for believing in it in the, day, in the beginning, but it's going to be a lot of other particles and steps that you go where every, er, everywhere where you drop a crumb, all those crumbs come together as one piece of bread, mm. one slice of bread. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it takes, believe me, more than one ingredient to make a slice of bread. Right. So everybody plays a role. So both sides are correct. It, it, there's no right or wrong yeah. answer. Yeah. It's just a matter of who you feel like you want to support more. But that don't mean that because you support that person more, that person gets more credit. Yeah. So, you know, I would love to see you on a record with Thames. Oh, Thames? I heard you say <laughs> really good things about her. No, nah, she's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. Do you think we could possibly? What do you think? I'm just saying. Are there any? There, there's some birdies in the tree that might just be like, just wait and see, wait and see. Oh my gosh, that would be so amazing. It's a lot of surprises coming. In the I've future. been trying to put the sounds in my head, <laughs> like what that would sound like. You change your voice a lot, so right. I think like that would be good. I see you coming back with your song. Enjoy that. Right. And it's so interesting. It's a, I mean, it's a huge sounding record already. Yeah. Like when you first hear it, you hear the sample and all of that. I would have thought that you would have came back with Afro beats. Right, right. Do you, have you gotten that a lot? No, actually, you know what's interesting is I've been doing Afro beats since 2010, but records never released in America. Wow. It goes back to, you know, like, our fan base is very segregated, right? Hip hoppers listen to hip hop. Mm -hmm. You know, America's different. It's country, they listen to country. R&B lovers, they listen to R&B and then occasionally hip hop. But it's just recently that people start listening to international music. Right. Right? So people, my, my fans specifically, the ones that followed Akon all the way through the Locked Ups and the Soul Survivors and the Mr. Lonelys and I Wanna Loves You and the Smack Dats, they have no idea that I had a full Latin album out that went number one in Latin billboards. They would not even know that I put out actually an Afrobeat album during the, you know, the pandemic. No, because they didn't listen to yeah. outside genres. Yeah. But I know in the future, as we start dropping international music and more Afrobeat records, people will be paying attention now. Because yeah. now I said, okay, once I introduce myself back into the business for what they know me for, then when I start releasing records, Outside the genre, they'd be like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, I see you, I hear you. <laughs> right, 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 you right. Know? What right. would you say were some of the obstacles that you ran into when creating this sound? Actually, the only obstacle was getting people to listen. 
Mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest obstacle was getting foreign ears to be to pay attention, you know. And everybody thinks you're crazy when you be like, "Yo, this is the future." Mm-hmm. They be like, "Yeah, alright, whatever, nigga." <laughs> like me, that's what it is. So now you just work hard to make it the future. And then when it becomes the future, they be like, "Yeah, you said it." Or man, that was always gonna be popping, man. What you talking about? You. But it's cool because now you know at the end of the day that it's going to be the future. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I love me some Afro beans. Oh, yeah. But you can't. <laughs> the thing is, if you African or you Latin or any any alternate descent, it's no way you're going to hear Afro beat and not move. It's yeah. in your blood. Like, this is a part of our DNA. We are all African. So yeah. I, I watch all my friends in America, and they be like, man, that's something about that Afro beat, man. It's just, it just getting my soul, man. I just yeah. love it. I said, because that's your original. That's like, that's really you. Like, right. Like we, and it's like happy music. It's too. happy yeah. music. It's yeah. not. It ain't nothing that's gonna make you want to get robbed or get shot when you leave the club. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you can you know listen to it in the morning yeah. if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. So, we mentioned the uh, sing, your new single. Enjoy that. Right. And I hear you have a TikTok album coming yeah. out. What yeah. is that? Can you explain what a TikTok album is? Well, it's, it's the thing is, it's the first time that it's ever been done yeah you know it's the first ever collaboration with tiktok and the artist to release the ep so this is going to be hopefully the industry standard one day you know oh yeah after we do it then hopefully we want other artists to be able to collaborate with tiktok and create these kind of concepts because they just needed to be i felt like there needed to be a new way of music distribution first of all yeah everything is just so boring so copy and paste and cookie cutters like okay give me something exciting now I'm watching all these platforms. They're the ones breaking all the new songs. Yeah. This is where you're discovering actually newer artists. You, I'm hearing better songs on TikTok than I can hear any good given day on the radio. So it's like that is a new platform where music is being discovered and new artists are getting time to shine. But, okay, cool. Now that my catalog was, you know, going crazy on it, I said, you know what? Let me just drop an album on this bad boy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when I went to TikTok with the idea, they, they loved it, went crazy, and then we decided to put that together. That's so amazing. Yeah. So I remember in it, when TikTok was in the news cycle right. uh, about their contracts with DSPs. Right. So you could kind of see that this was, yeah, it's, it's you know, coming down the pipeline. Right. So, I mean, when you say TikTok album, that sounds like TikTok the label. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? Right. And, 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 and I mean, and to their credit, they are the ones, they, they're like the labels nowadays, yeah. right? The question is whether or not they're going to create a legitimate distribution channel for artists, you know? But that's another lane that, of course, most likely they'll probably get pushed back in. So it's, a, it's like finding that, that, that median where you can still survive and allow others to continue to survive as well. Or you can just be a renegade and say, I'm taking all of it like Apple did. Yeah. <laughs> it's up to you. Depending, so you know. a person with as much as information as you can give us, an artist doing an album with TikTok, what does that look like? You say partnership, is that 50-50? Oh, well, the partnerships is a little bit more I'm leaning towards my end. Okay. I'm, I'm the majority of the project holder, but for the most part, I think that's really all negotiation because this is the first time it's ever been done. Yeah. I know TikTok's value. They know my value, and we just respected each other's value when it came to certain things. So we were able to negotiate to where both sides were smiling, walking out the door. But every artist might be different. You know, you just never know. That's, that's, that's so dope, you know what right. I'm saying? Because to even have that idea and then go forth with it, you know, right. get the meetings and then get the ch- contracts and, you know, get it signed. And right. now you have something in motion where you're the first person doing something like that. So no, that's really, really dope. Um, I read that 
you had a Guinness record for being number one with the most master ringtones. Right. So the ringtones is the same thing I'm doing with, with TikTok. TikTok. When I, at the time when I was releasing records, I, saw, I thought about it. I said, hold up. Everybody running around here, drive themselves crazy trying to sell singles. Three songs, I mean, three and a half minutes, maybe four minutes long for $1.99. Right. Then you got ringtones that's selling for 15 seconds for $4.99. I said, wait a minute, I'm on the wrong side of the business. <laughs> I need to be selling ringtones. Yeah. So now, as I'm making songs, I'm making songs that I can hear playing back on people's phones. That's like, like the Mr. Lonely records. Like, these are records that was literally made for ringtone sales. Mm. You know, concept-wise, from the sonics of the production and these little voices and all that. And sure enough... When we started targeting on ringtones, we just started spreading like wildfire. And even wow. when I was producing for other artists, I would make them ringtone ready. So it would just go. And I was like, my main focus, sell ringtones, sell ringtones. Because ringtones do th two things. First, every time the phone rings, it markets and promotes your song. Right. Makes people want to hear the full song so they go back and actually purchase the song. Right? And then two, you make so much more money. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's like you're making triple what you would have normally made. You know, so that was like, that was my revenue model. And I said, boom, we hit it. And before you know it, we looked up. We was in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most ringtones sold ever. And I remember that time, like, yeah. when artists were just getting rich from right. ringtones. Soldier <laughs> Boy, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, how much money do you think, or off the top of your head, would you say that you've made from ringtones? Oh, ringtones was ridiculous. Because you got to think, those contracts back in them days, they didn't have digital clauses. Mm. So all, most of that money was going in your pocket. Until the labels got smart, and the following contract, they're like, okay, well, this is a digital clause. I'm like, okay, well, how much are you going to pay me for my digital rights? Right. Now it's a different conversation altogether, because digitally make way more than analog. So, right, you know what? Hold on to your digital rights. Let's continue moving forward this way. <laughs> oh, You know what I'm saying? It was an opportunity, <laughs> because when, you, when I'm, I'm looking at the technology, I'm looking at where the world is going, everything going towards computers, everything going towards mobile. So I started gearing all my music content towards that. I wanted to know, okay, how much is Facebook making from us, and how can we maximize on all of our followers and not just a percentage of it? You know what I'm saying? So as they, you know, fixing and rebranding their revenue models and adjusting it, I'm adjusting mine too in the negotiation. Right. You know? Yeah. What would you say the way that ringtones were an opportunity for artists to just, you know, become rich or just right. make stupid amounts of money, what would you say – would be adjacent to that right now in the market right now? Well, in the market right now, it's, it's, everything is based around content creation and streaming. Mm -hmm. That's it. The content, whoever owns the content, that's who's getting paid. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And streaming, you want to create as many opportunities and creative ways for your records to stream as possible. Some people think it's quantity. So if you notice, if you're looking at people's albums now, they're going from doing, back when I was coming up, we did 10, 13 songs in the album because the labels only paid us for 10 songs at that time. Today, 
you get an album, you might get about 20 songs on it, 30 songs on it. And you're like, why they got so many damn songs on this record? Right? right? It's because the more songs you got on the album, the more streaming revenue you can create because there's more songs to stream now. So now people are looking at the streaming model and it's actually working. What are some opportunities that you feel like people are missing right now as far as artists? As far as artists, um, opportunities that they're missing, honestly, the, the artists today are a lot smarter than the artists of my day when I was coming up because they understand the digital platforms a lot better than we did. Yeah. Like, I learned as we go because I was always trying to stay in front of it, right? But today, these artists aren't missing anything. The only thing that I can say that they're missing is peace. They're getting rich just to go, you know, just to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand that part. I don't see how you work, uh, you know, work to get to a certain level of success and then you're just still in the street. Like, that's crazy to me. So if, I've, if you ask me if they're missing anything, it'd be common sense. Yeah. Well, I have a theory. Do you want to hear it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like when artists come 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 in, right, rap artists mainly because right. they're the ones mostly rapping about, right. you know, their old experience, their old life, things like that. My theory is that once you start making these records and you're promoting a certain hood mm-hmm. that you're no longer around, right. that could get dangerous for you. Uh, I mean, so you kind of have to stay. That's, that, that theory actually plays a big role because that's where it's a lot of jealousy, it's a lot of envy, it's a lot of people that's literally in the trenches. Yeah. That's making penitentiary chances as we speak. But yet you're out there living in this huge mansion making thousands in walkthroughs and millions in tours, and you're still talking about a life that these guys are actually really living. So when you find yourself back in that same hood, they were like, oh, okay, that's what you're living, huh? Right. Let's, figure it, let's find out if you're still about that life. So they will try you and test you. That's very dangerous. You're 100% correct. The second part, and I think a lot of people miss, is the spiritual side of this. And this is the part that I think when people create their goals, they always forget. There's a, there's a goal that you set for your basic achievement and you follow it, you execute, you go. But alongside that goal, there's also a spiritual goal that has to align with your actions. And people don't realize how powerful words are. Words were set to become the transit for prayer for a reason. Yes. When you put words out into the universe, it comes back. It definitely comes back. It has back. energy, yes. It, it's, it's, that's the, the energy of life is the things that you put out verbally, right? So when you go out and you're talking about death on record, most of the people that's talked about death on record eventually died. Yeah. It just happened. Or this bring is no that secret. energy in some kind of way. Or bring that energy yeah. within the, you know, your cosmetic circle. So you got to be very careful the energy that you put out vocally because when you say it, it happens. And if it don't happen to you, it's going to happen to something around you. Right. Because I'm never saying stuff like, I wish somebody would. Yeah, why? Why <laughs> would you wish like, somebody would do that? I like, would never. Why? <laughs> you know? It's like, it's, it's, it's the wrong energy to it's, put out. I wish more that. people mm-hmm. were as conscious of right. that, you know? Right. But like you're saying, too, there, that's one part, the energy right. you putting out. That's but then it's like the serious. other part, it's like you're saying... I'm, I live this, right. and then people and want to test that. You don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, of course. Get, granted, okay, you get credit for going through tough times in life. And in this music business, if you got a history of struggle, it actually helps the music, right? Yeah. Because the, grit, the grittiness of music and hip-hop is driven by, you know, tough times. Yeah, and That's the storytelling. Right, the, the story. Everybody yeah. want to hear about 
you know, the rags to riches story. Yeah. The rags is what made you rich. Yeah. Man, what happened? Tell me about the rags. Now that you're rich, you can't be talking about the rags. You don't experience that no more. You just don't. You can talk about the past tense, but present tense, you can't pretend to be the guy you used to be because the guy you used to be is still being, you know, focused on by the guys who are. Yeah. And these are the guys that are saying, okay, if you can get uh, benefit from my struggle, then you owe me that. Essentially, yeah. You walk into my hood and you actually benefiting from my struggle? Nah, bro, I need that and that. You're going to pay for my struggle. You ain't just going to walk away getting all this money on my struggle and not come back and bless me. Exactly. I mean, it's only right. That, and it. then it's like, well, you need protection when you're going to these other places. That's so the hustle. Like, That's the yeah. hustle, though, because guess what? The problem with these guys, they have nothing to offer you. The only thing they have to offer is violence. Yeah. That's all they surrounded by all day. There's no, like, I always said that an opportunity is the one thing that can bring or change anybody's life. I done seen gangbangers, Crips and Bloods, come together because of an opportunity. And I done seen them protect that opportunity because it was something that can feed their family. So they put the gangbang on the side just because that opportunity need to be protected for them to feed their family. It happens all the time. The opportunity is the, is, the, is, the, is the bottom line at the end of the day. But if you have the opportunity and you're bragging and boasting about the opportunity, but you're doing it on the backs of the people that's actually struggling with no opportunity, and you ain't giving back to those guys. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. That's where the, you know, the jealousy... The envy, all that plays a role. Because now they like, now the love turns into hate. When did you, you know? develop this conscious mentality that, like, you know, my words are powerful. I don't even want to speak on the things that I've seen, you know? Right, right. That's, 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 but I think that was the, the spiritual side of me. That was all homegrown in Africa. That's me being brought up in Africa with a different level of state of how to treat your elders, the respect that you have to have for your elders, all the way down to the advice that they give you. You don't have to take it, but hear it out, listen to it, because you just never know what, what part of that message can you utilize in your life in general. Most people, they grow up thinking that they know it all. Oh man, I ain't gotta listen to them. He ain't never accomplished nothing. How you gonna tell me? And he ain't never been through it. Yeah. Some people don't have to go through it to tell you how to handle it, because they're entombed. Not or they listen to somebody else. Thank you. <laughs> like somebody else might have told them something that you're dealing with now when it clicked, like, oh man, somebody once told me, bro, don't do that. Cause when they did it, and you're right, everybody ain't the same, but everybody goes through same situations, like same or similar situations. But oftentimes the 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 issue at hand or the the um the solution is very similar. Yeah. Because the scenario is similar. You just may have to deal with it or finesse it a little different because of who you are or where you at. But at the end of the day, that task has to be done to delete all the issues that may come to you in the future. Wow, so much wisdom. You know? I love it. I love it. Do you, how do you feel about awards? What is your stance on awards? Because, you know, I thought I was missing something <laughs> when I saw that you never had a Grammy. Right, that right. was just kind of hard for me to believe. So I'm interested to know what is your stance on awards? Well, awards for me was never really important. What was important for me was the people that actually support it. Like, my reward is seeing them happy, you know, me selling out stadiums and knowing that everybody there bought a ticket because they love me, right? So when you look at the music business and you look at award shows, 
and me being an executive in the business, I realized how political it was. And I realized that the people that got awards was... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All based around good politics made within it. Right. Great deals struck in between. Great leveraging. Campaigning. I'll give you this, you give me this. You know, yeah. so it's all a part of the business. In business, you should never take personal, right? So the, the reward side of it, I never really took it personal because I knew that was that that's not what defines me. It's just not. Like, I don't care how many trophies that you put up on a desktop to tell me that, okay, this justifies my success or this defines who I am as a person, or it just it just can't. Like I just can't, especially if I can put a lighter to it and it melts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not, it, it, I never really cared about that. I really honestly didn't. And I think um, people that do care about it are really too focused on what other people think. Mm. And I think when you live your life for others, you can never be free. You just right. can't. Well, do you yeah. think it holds value? Because I feel like a lot of industries, mm -hmm. even film and just a lot of industries, sports, you know, right. it's like a lot of people try to discredit LeBron because he doesn't have as many rings as Man, Jordan and things like that. can I tell like you that. something about people like that? Like, okay, it don't take a rocket scientist for you to know that LeBron is one of the greatest players of our time. Of all time, yes. You can't deny that. Can't. I don't care how, if he never even had a ring. Right. You couldn't sit and tell me that that boy right there is not the truth. Right. I don't care. I'm going to say it. Right? And I'm going to agree. <laughs> right. So what I'm saying is all of that's cool, but it takes a team. It ain't built on one player. Otherwise, it would be one-on-ones. NBA would be full of one-on-ones, thousands of players playing each other. So the, the idea of getting a trophy or a ring, it all depends on the team that they match you up with and the synergy between those players. That synergy between those players, that's what wins championships. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a LeBron or a Jordan to bring that synergy to the, to the, in the room. Because some people are just born leaders. And it has to be an alpha male that other males listen to yeah. and respect. You follow? Yeah. So I know some players that nobody respect, but he probably, he probably somebody that can run circles around, you know, Jordan. Right. But he just, nobody respects him. Right. So he probably never make it to the NBA. Right. Or he probably locked up in jail right now doing the same thing in jail and probably bringing guys together and they probably undefeated for the whole 20 years he was locked up but he'll never get that credit because the world never saw it yeah right so at the end of the day it's about understanding who you are as a person it, it has the satisfaction has to be within and I think the world is so filled with insecure people that need validation from other things or other people to feel great mm -hmm. and these statues are a way of making people feel great and if it works then so be it it's cool you know to all each his own yeah, it's like I'm I'm on the fence, you know right. what I'm saying? Because I do believe that when people work at a certain level right. that they should be rewarded, you right. know what I'm saying? And not that it defines their talent or measure is a measure of their talent. Right. I feel like it's, they're just deserving of that. You know what I'm saying? Like Oscars and, and things like that, you know, right. when you know about what goes into that, it's like, no, they gave it everything. You know, they deserve right. that. They deserve that. So, you know, like, for instance, earlier this year, the Grammys. Right. 
I personally feel, now I like both songs, I'm issuing that disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac got the song of the year over Wizkid and Tim's with Essence. Man. I personally felt that Essence was a huge record. I Man. felt that it was bigger. You know, and I've had people argue that Leave the Door Open was. Mm -hmm. um, I felt that there were more environments that I would hear Essence versus right. Leave the Door Open. Right. So I always, you know, I would like ask my friends in the music industry, like, why is this? Why is this happening? You know, right, like right, they right, didn't right. even get nominated. Like, what is going on with that? What do you say to things like that? Well, I mean, the things like that, like I said, it depends on the environment. The Grammy environment aren't the environment that's in rooms where Afrobeat is played. So they wouldn't know what you know. They're in the rooms where Bruno Mars is being played. So they, in, to their defense, they did hear Bruno Mars more than they heard Thames and, 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 and Wizkid. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's not only a, a, a cultural gap, but it's also information gap because if you're gonna be on those committees, you have to be in tune with every culture. Yeah. But people are picked due to success or due to specific access or due to financial means or due to whatever purposes yeah. they utilize them for. But most of the people that I've discovered within certain award committees aren't really music people. Mm. They're just CEOs of That's just companies. their corporate job. Right. They're not music guys. They're not of the culture. They're not of the culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, one of the greatest things that probably could have happened when they, you know, grab, you know, Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam to be a part of the Grammys. And so now they're grabbing real music people, like producers and writers and artists. This helps a little bit because yeah. it creates a better, more fair thing. But I think when you're talking about awards, I think the committee should be the audience. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'd be a specific group of people. This should be the audience. And I think that's why the People's Choice Awards to me was the only award show that I actually was like, I like that. Yeah. Because the people, get are, to vote. they're yeah. the ones that, that's the only award I ever won in my whole career was a People's yeah. Choice. Because that's what made me say, okay, I know what I'm doing is for the people. And they granted me that award. That's the only award I ever cherished. Yeah. Because it's more real. It's real. Absolutely. Yeah. I but guess, don't feel bad yeah. about it, though. It's no, not, I don't yeah. feel bad about it. I just feel, I mean, because there are so many actors and actresses, too, right. that I feel the I same mean, way. Now, the Oscars is a prime example. And the Emmys, yeah. And it, I mean, think about how many amazing black, like, female and male actors and actresses. Yes, they owe my girl, never, Angela Bassett. They had never <laughs> got awards. It's insane. It's super insane, to the point where they had to start protesting, and the heat started coming, then they started getting awards. Oscars so white. Black Twitter, shout out to Black Twitter, because you know? if it wasn't for that hashtag Oscar So White, they you know? weren't they were never being held accountable right. for overlooking. But the question is, who are we to hold them accountable? It's their platform. They built it. Mm. Like if we gonna argue and complain about something that they built to reward us, why we ain't built our own yet? Okay, like, I have, I have, I have, I have something for that. Okay. So I used to work at BT. I worked at BT for a long time, right. and I would notice that when artists were on the come up, 
they would use the BET platform. They would, it would be not a big deal to get them to do interviews and stuff like, and stuff like that. But then when right. they get to a certain level, they no longer want to do black media. I've been a person on red carpets, right. screaming, trying to get the attention, like looking so thirsty, but right. like, you know, just doing whatever I it can took, to right. get their attention, right, right. you know, and I m may have interviewed this person a year ago mm -hmm. and they walk past me like they don't know they don't me. Know you. So, you know, we have the platforms, but so many artists, I feel when they get to a certain level, it's like, you know, that's not a good look or they don't want to do it anymore. But honestly, I wouldn't really blame the artists, right? Mm. Artists are naturally finicky. They will get arrogant at a certain stage. Confidence always brings out the real person. And success breeds confidence, and then confidence brings out the real. Mm. So who you assume that person is when they're on the come up, I promise you is not that same person when they're up. Mm. So the platforms, as you know, like Oscars and Emmys, they're built to supply you at the top. They've already created the threshold and they've already created, you can say, the, 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 the value and the class and all that comes with servicing a superstar. Yeah. Our platforms ain't did that. I mean, well, I'm being they, all can, the way real. they can if but, people continue to support but, them. No, but understand. Our platforms have to motivate us to get to the top because we are already there. We're the ones providing the content for everyone else at the top. Yeah. We're the creators of all of this. Like, at what, what stops us from saying, okay, cool. If our artists believe that, at that in, in this case, BET is a B-tier award show and mm -hmm. they feel like they're bigger than BET at that stage, all right, cool. Let's bigger. Let's build a higher plateau above BET that those guys can feel comfortable to say, if I come here, it still is giving me the credibility that I worked and deserved for. Mm -hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But we can't say, oh man, they, they didn't got Hollywood. They too big for us. You think Oscars said, oh, they got to Hollywood. They're too big for us. Hell no, they didn't. They got the Emmys and then they got the Oscars. Are they on the same level? Is one higher or one lower? They're on the same level. They're on the same level. But us, when we do things, it ain't always, like, we don't do it to the max. We're saving money. We're doing discounts. We want the hookup. And you know I'm right. I have more theories, but we can but move on. But you know I'm right. On. All I'm saying is, if we're going to do it for us, let's do it to the top. Let's do it for the best. Let's put our, all our marbles in. Let's come together, and let's do it right. But yeah. we, can't, we can't compare our platforms to the other platforms because the other platforms are united. Yeah. They come together, they invest with each other, they trust each other. True. We find me two niggas that trust each other to put money in or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> you laugh because the shit's funny, but it's real. <laughs> it's like we got to fix our mentality first. We got to believe that we are actually as royal as they create the, the concept to look. But if we don't come together to do it, I mean, we're going to be arguing forever. Yeah. And complaining about some shit that so we So do you think create. it will ever happen? I, listen, my, one of my biggest, like, my goal is to get everybody to move back to Africa. That's my goal. Okay. I want to get as many African Americans back home to Africa as I possibly can. Because I know the day they move back, everything they're fighting for in America, they will not have to fight for over there. All the struggle that they struggled over there, they're going to come there with this mindset, with this mentality, 
with the finances that they built, you know, the equity in life and bring it back and, in, and invest that in Africa, man, Africa could be the strongest nation in the world if y'all went back home. Because we got everything that it takes to be that. We got the resources, we got the land, we got the population, and together we got the strength and we got the know-how. Like, why we ain't doing that? Just think, right? And I don't mean to drag it. No, I love this. We control entertainment. Mm -hmm. Imagine if all the black entertainers decided to go back to Africa and just entertain yeah. in Africa. Start our own businesses, labels, distribution companies, marketing companies, all that in Africa. We control sports. Yeah. Imagine if all the black players went back to Africa to play sports in Africa. Not only would we be the star player, but we would own the team. Just well, imagine. they wouldn't do that. They won't even boycott. But that's my point. Just imagine <laughs> if we all went and created our own official team. Just imagine. Do you think these sponsors will be putting all this money into NBA and NFL and all that if niggas wasn't playing in it? No. But guess where the, guess where the viewers will be watching, though? They'll be watching the channel in Africa watching them niggas. Just imagine if LeBron started his own team in Africa picked his own players. He would own not only the, the team, but can you imagine with his eye and his vision on what a player looks like? And I, man, I, there's, there's players in Africa that's taller than Hussein Bolt. Mm. I mean, um, Manute Bolt. Mm. Manute was 7'2". I saw guys at 7'9". Just walking around. Like walking around. <laughs> <laughs> and we talking about speed, stamina. Man, but they know this. They know how to utilize us because they just dangle the carrot. They know we ain't going to ever come together. They know this already. So they always play us against each other. You know, there's always this divide and conquer that always works and never fails. It's fail. a mentality that, it, yeah. Our mentality is what we need to fix first. Once yeah. we fix that, we'll be fine. So the question is, will you think we can ever do it? Our generation is too late. But our kids, we can start teaching them slowly but surely on how to adjust their mentality moving into the future. And then they're going to they gonna make the uprising themselves. That revolt won't happen with the kids. The mentality's already going there because they're they already too disruptive to follow the rules. But the moment they realize that the rules that they're actually, you know, revolting against, they don't really, they can be free if they just go back home and create their own rules, create their own systems, create their own avenues. Like, Africa's the only place you, Af black people can go and be free. It's the only place. It's like it's no other place. And the world is moving in that direction. So yeah. Africa's being developed in a way that no other country in the world is being developed. Yeah. But hurry up and get there because while y'all sitting around waiting, you got the Chinese over there building, getting money. Right. You got the, the Germans over there building, getting money, the Italians. I mean, everybody getting money but African Americans. Like, this is just this is okay. Let's 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 because this is a business podcast, but I'm forgetting like I'm getting so caught up. But it's so true. Like right. there's so many resources over it's, there, but the mentality is so small, and no one wants to walk away from no, America. No, it's, it's fear. It's fear. Like we've been brainwashed so hard to the point where the moment you mention Africa, people get scared and start shaking, and they don't even know why. Like when you look at the Jewish community, they have the smallest population in the globe but yet they control everything. It's because they understand the value of human resource and they stick together. Yeah. They don't even have to like each other, but they're gonna do business with each other because that's how they survive. Yeah. You know and they mean? don't feel the need to show everything they're doing and like well, promote well, it. it, they it, just Because it's bad do for it. business. Yeah. It don't help the business. Actually doing all that, you spending money and you wasting money yeah. in areas where you can actually put it in a resource where you can double it. 
Yeah. You know, or where it can strengthen you even more. So with that being said, are you looking forward to or do you have plans on developing more artists from the continent? Oh, yeah. That, I think that part will never, you know, that'll never go anywhere. That's, that's in my blood. Music is just there. So whatever I can continue to do to build, like right now we, we're trying to introduce the whole I'm a piano into America. Say it again? I'm a piano. Okay. Remember that name. I'm a piano. I'm a piano is a sound that was stemmed from Afrobeat, but it's more like house, deep house, rhythmic, African, like it's, it's different. Mm. But it, it will kind of give you up-tempo Afrobeat, but when you hear the rhythms, it's different because it's more tribal, it's more, it's more South African, mm. you know? But that sound is slowly, slowly coming up. I signed the artist. I mean, he's actually a producer DJ named Neptunes. He's like the top producer in the I'm a Piano game right now and had the biggest, he's probably not the top producer, but he's had the biggest song. And he's the rising producer that probably will take it over. And I'm sure you heard the song too. It was a song that he did with an artist named Goya. You know, and it's an I'm a Piano record, you know. Um, you want to chill with the big boys? Oh, yeah. I don't always know the names, <laughs> but I do know that song. Right. That was, so that's a viral the, song. Right. He's the creator of that record. Oh, nice. Right. And that's I'm a Piano, by the way. Okay. But okay. when you hear it, you would just assume. Oh, yeah, I know the you sound. You think it's Afrobeat, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's a different sounding Afrobeat. Yeah. You're like, what is that Afrobeat? Like, I know it's African, but it's I'm a Piano. Yeah. So that's the vibe now. It's a bit be. more intense. It's a bit more intense, yeah. And it's more dancey. It's more, it's like, it's like imagine if, if like, Afrobeat had house music. I'm a piano would be that. Mm. But it's just more rhythm, more rhythm to it. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of getting everybody back to the motherland and all right. that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Tell us about Akon City. Akon City is gonna be the beginning of getting everybody back to the motherland. You know, in a few years we'll be in the first stage complete to start hosting. Mm. You know, our goal is to have the whole city built out within the next 10 years. We've already started um, construction. Uh, it's a $6 billion project. Mm. Very excited about it. It's a smart city complete. But it's like we're utilizing all of the African resources that the rest of the world been using. Now we're just using the same resources to build out in our own country. Yeah. What, I guess, what will be the maximum population that Acon City will um, hold? Well, the, the city that we're currently building now, the population is about 100,000. Mm. You know, it's a very small city compared to most, you know, smart cities, but it's just the beginning. And then we're going to scale out as time goes in and continue to build outward. And as more investors come and want to be a part, then we build it out. So it, the whole idea is for it to just continue. But we're going to do Senegal. We're also doing Uganda. And then we're going to do Congo as well. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. What makes a city smart? Uh, it's the technology attached to it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, with our technologies, though, we got things that, whew, I want to say it's so bad, but we can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but what, like, but, what types of technology so would th you find in a smart city? Well, okay, the kind of technology you sign in a smart city, a lot of it is super smart. You don't have to do much. 
everything is done for you. Like you got self-driving cars mm. in smart cities, right? Um, you come in, you can just speak the location of where you want to go. The car takes you directly there, drop you off. You don't have to drive it. There ain't no driver attached to it. You just literally, it comes pick you up, drop you there. That's a prime example. You go into the restaurant. Would people have their own cars or would they just have these? No, no. I mean, these, these are cars that, that's just roaming throughout the city, almost like Ubers. Mm. You know what I mean? And when you walk and when you get in the car, because your account is what actually ordered it. So there's no, you don't have to pull out your credit card, you don't have to pay. The moment you, you go in the car, it already identifies you and starts to bill you. you find How would you order like it? That. Like an app? Yeah, it'd be most likely on an app. But in this case, it's going to be through the Acoin wallet. Okay. So the Acoin wallet now was built specifically to start in the city, and we're going to scale and it up to the rest of And that's your, Acoin is your cryptocurrency. Well, it, people call it a cryptocurrency, but it's not really a cryptocurrency. Okay. It's actually a currency that can be converted into crypto. I see. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like... It's, yeah. it's more than a crypto. It's way more than a crypto. But for the crypto users, they can definitely utilize the crypto. For people that want to invest in crypto or hide behind the crypto to evade taxes... <laughs> Crypto is crypto right. <laughs> until they figure out how to how it all regulates. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, you know, it's it's gonna be on a coin exchange and it'll all be able to work out together. So are you looking for any um developers or like uh creators yes. for we're always looking and we'll never stop looking. Like creators, designers, developers, architects, engineers, I mean inventors, like we're looking for all of that. So anything that you can think of that you feel you can bring value to it, bring it now. Because I promise you, the ones that come in now are going to be multi-billionaires in the next 10, 15, 10, 15 years. I know this for a fact. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Akon, be my mentor. Let me stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw an interview that you did where you were talking about solar energy right. and contracts that you had with the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. Could you just explain that yeah, a little so bit that, more? Yeah, so that one is actually really easy. Like when Biden, well, actually it all started when Obama was in office. You know, Obama had light, Lighting Africa, which was an initiative to bring energy to certain parts of Africa, right? At that time, I had Akon Lighting Africa. So a lot of people would mix or, you know, mix Lighting Africa with Akon Lighting Africa Okay. at that time, you know, because we were already in the rural areas and we were like very, very active. But because obviously the, the American administration hadn't been in Africa to understand the terrain and certain things, they had a lot of difficulty navigating. So we were brought in to help navigate them through the process. But then we built the relationship as we going in. And then when Biden got in office, you know, he got his Biden, Biden Clean Energy Program he had going on. And in the urban areas, like in the hoods, this majority of the, the coal plants in America are all based in the hood. Mm. This is where all the energy is being created, you know, and we're in that environment, obviously. So, but they wanted to kind of convert all the dirty energy into clean energy. So we were brought in, one of my companies were brought in to actually convert the coal plants into solar or really renewable energy, you know, solutions. So it's been pretty cool. So how did you... How would someone else, because I remember in that interview, you were like, it's a good thing to try to get into yes. the, the energy. How would someone go about doing that? Well, you would, that's you, like you, a government contract, right? Well, this is the thing. In America, 100% government contract. And you ain't, it's, it's almost impossible to get into it at the time when they were doing like oil and gas. But now that it's solar, it's a different game because solar's, it's, you got, it's so many components in solar that can be sold. 
all the way down from the solar plant, you know, the solar panel rather, mm -hmm. right? So, or you can even have a whole bunch of land that a plant can be built on. Like there's so many areas now where you can actually get into the energy space. With us, we were just acquiring all the small solar energy companies all throughout the United States and making them a part of the Acon Lighting. And then from there, we were already in because they were already in. But then now we created a fund called the Black Sunrise Fund where people can actually invest into the fund to be a part of the energy projects that we actually developing. Wow. And yeah. is the Black Sunrise Fund yeah. geared towards uh, black investors? or it's, it's geared toward minority investors. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That would want to be in an energy field or anywhere in the energy sector. Because the average black person ain't getting in. They're not going to let you in. Right. But we already in. But you can invest in us, and then that's how you get in. It's the best way. Did you ever get into NFTs? Oh, we was, man, I was into everything. I was mm -hmm. in, even now, still into it. You know what I'm saying? But in, the thing about the NFT, all of that is very, is still immature. Yeah. You know, certain areas you can make good money. You create hype on a certain NFT, and certain NFT drops. You promote it properly. You can make some good money. But it's still not fully mature yet to a point where, you drop everything you're doing to get into the business. You still yeah. want to kind of slowly stick your feet in, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you want to be easy with it because there's a lot of scammers in this business too. Yeah, I just saw, yeah. um, I don't, maybe Jake Paul, but I don't want to like get the name wrong, mm -hmm. invested six figures into an NFT and now it's worth $10. Well, unfortunately, when he invested it, or whoever that was, yeah. they most likely invested it at the time or right before the, you know, the crypto space started to go down. Like the market just like went down out of nowhere. It just started slowly sliding, going down, going down. People pulling their money out. And then when you pull your money out, it goes down even faster. I so, know. Yeah. I'm keep, I kept my money. I'm keeping my money. No, no. I'm, one that, day I can wake advice, up rich. My advice to you, <laughs> keep it in there. Yeah, okay. Because it's going to go back up like it always has. It's no different from any other currency. It's going to drop and then it's going to fluctuate. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. So just wait. Just wait it out. They're going to fix all the kinks. The economy going to grow back in. Because right now we're in inflation. It's everything yeah. is being cost. Every, all the cost is way more than it's supposed to cost. Everything. That's going to crash in a minute, too. You think so? Yeah, Because I feel like certain things aren't, aren't going to go back down. Well, one thing about real estate, it always goes down oh, and it always goes up. Mm -hmm. And right now, the kind of money they're asking for basic real estate just is it's, it's unheard of. Yeah. It don't even make sense. Yeah. So just let, let the market kind of adjust itself, and then before you go in and purchase and process, pur purchasing anything related to real estate. What does Akon want his legacy to be? Um, actually, I thought about that a lot. I just wanted, I just didn't want to be known for singing and dancing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you mentioned Akon, and all you can mention is my hit songs. I wanted it to be way more than that. I really wanted to be remembered for being you know, one of the pioneers to help to develop Africa. Mm. That's where I'm at right now. You're doing a lot over there. Right. You're doing oh, yeah. a great Africa, deal. Doing yeah. Anything there is to be done, we're, it's too much to do. Yeah. So no matter what you get involved in, it's, it's going to be a success. Like literally whatever you decide to get into is going to be successful. That's how easy and open the country is. When you talk about money and branding yourself, and then we have people like, Kanye West, right. who right now, many would say is having an episode. He's already a billionaire. So a lot of people say, well, that's why you can't really control him. Right. But as a businessman, do you think that the path that he's on right now 
can be detrimental to his brand. He's in a position where he's openly expressing what he feels in his mind things should go and how things should go relating to his past experiences. Ye's experience ain't the same as my experience. Mm. Just because Ye feels that white lives should matter don't necessarily mean I have to feel that life's white lives matter. Now, granted, as humans, we all believe that all lives matter. We do. And everybody knows this, right? But you can't simplify a brand to reality. And Kanye is thinking from a marketer. He's thinking as a marketer. He's thinking from a brand ambassador. He's thinking from someone that's very creative. Yeah. So normal times, creative people, they don't think about impact. They don't think about feelings. They don't think about history. They don't think about how many people died for the phrase white, I mean, the phrase black lives matter even had to exist. Yeah. There's a reason why there was a phrase that said black lives matter. Right. We went through a history of... Still. And still going through <laughs> yeah. a history of being mistreated as human beings yeah. for us to create that line. Yeah. And it was for the purpose of raising awareness yeah. that our lives actually matter. Right. So you can't compare a white life who's been taking black lives forever and saying they life matter. Even it does, even though it does under God's eyes, it does matter. And that's obvious in this that's country. Obvious. Yeah. But my point is a white life can't matter until our life isn't in a position to matter again. Yeah. Our life has to matter to you. You understand? It has to matter to you first because there's too many people that died for it. There's too many people lives had been affected. There's so much history that's been entangled and created to the point where our minds mentally will never be the same. Our mentality is due to the treatment we got in the past. This is why as a people, we like can't we come together. Like we spoke about earlier, the crabs in the barrel mentality. Right. Yeah. So you can't speak it's on It's deep-rooted. It's so much bigger than your marketing. And it's heavier. And even white people can agree. That's when you know when white people can agree, that's when you know it's real. An entrepreneur like Akon, who is right. just so business savvy, where do you get your information from? Are there certain books that you read or people that you follow? Nah, man, my, my, my grandpa always told me when you're talking about money, there's no, there's no better sense in the sense of the word than common sense. Mm -hmm. Some things you, you're not always supposed to know, but it's some things that you're supposed to feel either ain't right or ain't right. You have to have a pulse for it. You know? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs have the pulse for it because the reason why they're entrepreneurs is because that pulse exists. Like, you can kind of feel when something is going to work. Yeah. You can't explain it to somebody until it actually is happening because they don't see the vision that you see it because you're actually feeling something that you're trying to explain. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can't explain a feeling. You just got to go with it and just pray that the person that you explain it to is going to believe in you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Is there anything else that you would like to leave us with? Yeah, um, go back to Africa. Take all y'all black asses back to Africa. <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> he need help, y'all. It's too much money for one man. Like, what are y'all doing? Stop. <laughs>
Now, how are we going to get there? we getting on the PJ or we? Man, you're going to take a basic <laughs> flight Delta direct from New York to Senegal. It's one flight, six and a half hours direct. Delta same got ridiculous. Same distance from New York to L.A. Oh, okay. Same distance. Same distance. Same distance. Really? Man, New York to L.A. is six hours. Senegal to New York, or vice versa, New York to Senegal is six and a half hours. 30-minute difference. But same distance. Because if the flight get delayed, now y'all got the same distance. Okay. <laughs> cool. So get to Senegal, at least. Well, y'all heard it. Make y'all way back to the continent. I'm telling you, man. He waiting on y'all. Well, thank you so much no, for stopping you. by. I really love the conversation. I would keep him here for two more hours, but we know that he has a lot of businesses to run and things like that. So thank you again, Akon, for stopping nice. through. And thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Deposits with Brooke England. Peace. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.